And it could have been a disaster if he was, a, you know, not a nice guy or he... he, he Talking about the director here. ...allow me to have some freedom to do the things that I'm known for doing, which is to be inventive and to say, if I need some big snakes from Beijing, please bring them in because I want my character to use snakes as his jewelry or as his pets. And, and he let me do it, you know, which is, a, which is an important thing for me. And, um, and I think he's happy with the results, but... <laughs> Wait a minute. So what what is the deal? Because we saw this in Joe, and I feel like this has come up before. What is Cage's deal with using snakes? I don't know. I th- I don't know. Was it his idea in Joe, or was that in the script? I don't know. Um, he certainly made it his own. If it was yeah, in the script, and he handled he handled it pretty well. And that yeah. was a snake that would have actually killed him uh, if it bit him, but uh, not in this movie. But uh, Cage plays by no rules. So, um, and by this movie. We are talking about 2015s, 2014, 2015s Outcast, um, which literally nobody listening to this podcast has seen. I didn't even know about it until I looked ahead and yeah. was like, what are we watching in the next couple movies? And this came up and first of all, I was like, what? And then I saw that it was Hayden Christensen and then I was like, why? What? Why? <laughs> it's crazy, man. I can't believe that this movie was made. You know, I had I had no real opinion about Hayden Christensen going into this, but I have an opinion now. He's very bad. He's not a good He's actor. He's not good. Yeah, this is Heat Seeking Panther and um the first order of business, Hayden Christensen kind of fucking sucks mm-hmm. and um I I don't like his face or his voice. Yeah, there's a lot of things about him that bother me. I don't necessarily want to want the beginning of this to turn into a shitting on Hayden Christensen, but honestly, I think it needs to just be gotten out of the way. Yeah, like there, I, I I don't know how to, you know, and and I've seen other movies, especially other Cage movies, where, you know, I may not have been a fan necessarily of his co-stars mm-hmm. previously, and even didn't necessarily think that they were that good in that specific movie. However, I'm willing to kind of look yeah, past it. Yeah. But in this one, and I think because so much of the film, so much more of the film was C- Hayden Christensen without Cage yeah. on screen, it got really grueling at a certain point. Yeah, and he I mean his he was supposed to basically carry the film. It's not like he let the script down cuz the script is awful, but he was terrible. He yeah. was terrible. He was a chore to watch. I think um on the whole, I, I can't in good conscience say that this is the worst film that we've watched because... No, I in, don't even think it's bottom five. No, in, it's got a decent budget and they use it effectively. Um, and I can see the effort. I can see the effort. I It doesn't feel cynically done. It feels there... I think there was... There's some sort of artistry or attempt at artistry buried somewhere in here. But um, I have not been as bored watching a movie for the podcast as I was watching this one, and it which is wild. Right, it, it is actually because <laughs> we've watched way worse films, and yeah, arguably, and like you know, films that should have been more boring. But like in those films' failures, like in whatever the fu- like we want to, like yeah, I don't know, Bangkok Dangerous or whatever, like they were more interesting in their failures than this just absolutely middling nondescript epic (laughs) yeah like epic with like three question marks yeah i i agree with you that it was uh an extremely middling film and i will agree with you that for long stretches it was boring i kind of enjoyed the some of the fights yeah the fights were good i think some of the martial arts in the movie were were good and engaging and every time I would zone out occasionally, but every time a new fight scene started, I would I would immediately pay attention. Yeah, which makes sense because it was directed by Nick Powell, the stunt coordinator of Gladiator, The Bourne Identity, uh, The Last Samurai, fittingly, um, and just, you know, so many movies that are very action-heavy. Right. Um, and, uh, but this is his first movie. Similar to Left Behind, um, stunt coordinator whose first movie uh, stars Cage. The the fights, un, not unlike Left Behind, the the action in this movie is is good and engaging. 
and wasn't just a CGI airplane. You know. Um. <laughs> and, you know, and the direction on the whole wasn't it w- it bad. It was competent. It, it was competent. But it definitely wasn't inventive, and it definitely was the kind of movie where you can tell that they looked at what was on the page and they did the bare minimum to get it on screen. Yeah, he, I don't think he brought much to the script and the script i really did not like it's bad it's bad uh it's written written by a guy named james dormer uh he's a british writer uh who is currently the co-creator of a british show called beowulf return to the shield land god kill me yeah i watched uh, it it's it's going no i i watched the trailer for it just to get a sense of it and it's just atrocious um you know, we think of like when we think of like British TV, we think of like Peep Show or stuff, and and you're like, oh yeah, like this is so smart and clever in a way that American TV is it, but bad British TV, wow, it's really bad. It's and, so bad, and you forget that only the good stuff makes it across yeah. the ocean. Like we have a lot of of British shows that get popular here, but they're only like the cream of the crop. Right. There is a lot of really bad British TV. The way that this script is written, it reminds me of like a, a talented teenager who like wants to write historical fiction or high fantasy, and you're like, because uh, for the first like ten minutes or so, I was like, I was kind of down. I was like, okay, like sure, this is like this this is fun, and and like there's an energy to it and a competency that we haven't seen. You know, it's it's. Both more energetic and competent than like um, the fucking what's the season of the witch? Um, oh, dude, this this movie gave me a lot of season of the witch vibes. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, he's a crusader. He's a knight again, Cage and uh, Christensen. But like, I, I just imagine this this teenager, you know, writing uh, historical fan fiction, posting it on the internet, and then maybe you go into his room and. He he read he starts reading it to you and you're like, that's really good. I see that you've been reading a lot. I see that you know how to construct a plot. Um, it's this everything is derivative of something else. Like there's nothing new here, but like well done. But then he reads it to you for two hours and then you're like, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Go into finance or something. I don't want to hear it in terms of story or dialogue or characters or any anything in that realm there's nothing new here and and not only is it has it been done before but it's been it's like it's tropes rubbing up against stereotypes rubbing up against it's just like the most well trod um uh, yeah. story beats and tropes and which is why i my brain just rejected it like i just I just couldn't. My my plot notes are so. I stopped taking them because it seemed pointless. And <laughs> and here's here's the thing. I don't know how much of that I can chalk up to the fact that because we're an American audience, there maybe sure. are certain things that sell in China that we will just never understand. It's just a cultural divide mm-hmm. that we just can't wrap our heads around. Yeah. So I don't want to necessarily just write it all off as being bad when when yeah, I don't necessarily we really don't know right. But yeah, man, I don't know. There's just something about this that it's the kind of thing where the f- more I watched, the more the angrier I got. Yeah, yeah. You know, like and and I, and I don't necessarily know why because it's like you were saying. I can't really point out like this is definitively shitty. It didn't fail. Or right. It didn't. There was no. There. Yeah. There was nothing where it just really shit the bed or dropped the ball. But it's like I wish it had because that at least has some personality. You know, <laughs> there there was just nothing there that I hadn't seen, and yet it was very handsomely done yeah it had a 25 million dollar budget and it used it it used it it used it um it made five million dollars worldwide gross just uh, wow yeah uh wow yeah and that, <laughs> ma- that makes me now take back what i said before where like maybe things play in china <laughs> that we don't understand because well, like i don't know then necessarily if it really played anywhere well uh, at the uh risk of shooting my wad early and, and getting all the most interesting stuff I have to share out of the way at first. Um, it's okay. I think our listeners will appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So hang on for another five or 10. There might be a reason for that, which is that uh, the the movie was banned 
um, like right in China right before it came out because there were protests in Hong Kong um, over the white savior narrative okay. that it that, that it was, has that I actually took a note about that. Uh huh. That that is that was a glaring issue with this right. movie. Right, because it's it's about uh, two white guys who help some incompetent uh, Chinese people uh, kill and get the better of uh, some bad Chinese people. And uh, yeah, there were protests over it, and like literally like twenty four hours before it was going to hit theaters, it got pulled. Um, so. Uh, so like literally in the market that it was made for, yes. it was not able to be shown. Right. And, and it didn't do anything in America. So like, did it even I don't, come out I don't in know America? if it even came out here. Um, but like you, you, they don't like not even on DVD over there. Um, so which, you know, back, back to the script, like this is not like that, that white savior narrative is not born out of, any explicit racism it's just another just part of the like dunderheaded like cliche regurgitation of this like it just it feels like somebody just didn't even they didn't even think about it uh which is its own kind of racism i suppose um but uh it's just that's just the limit of the creativity of this movie it's just yeah. homage and imitation and um but yeah it uh so that hurt. Um, and so like, I wanted to do a little bit of like research into just the, what is going on because this movie was made by, uh, I think it's Canadian and China. It's a Canadian Chinese, uh, uh, co-production. Is Nick Powell Chinese or uh, mm -hmm. Canadian? Maybe. Okay. I, I don't know. Cage says, uh, that he thinks the Chinese market is like the future. And well, he's stoked on Chinese cinema. Yeah, he is. And I think he has a good finger on the pulse of kind of what's going on with film um, because I think he's smart and also he makes so many of them. I think he kind of knows what's up. Um, and we've established that, you know, the the sort of uh, cultural narrative of, of Cage just sort of completely just being broke and saying yes to whatever it does isn't actually true. He, he I... Like, he actually said, he reiterated that he's, like, stoked to be in this movie. He's stoked on all the... He says, I'm making the movies I want to make, and so something I'm doing is working. I think he's really... He's living it up, yeah. and, uh, like, and he's unconcerned with the critics. And, like, he's really an anomaly in the... Just in Hollywood, in the world of acting, because he can continue to make just garbage or movies that just shit the bed on at the box office and keep getting cast in movies that don't like you yeah. know it's um he really is doing something that's <laughs> working um which reiterates why i'm glad we're doing this podcast about him because i can't think of anybody else who is no and especially definitely not anyone that has had the the width and breadth of the career that he's had mm -hmm. you know maybe maybe a couple actors can sustain it for like a, a couple years or a period of time but i mean he's just there is a cage uh, um, template. Yeah. And he just, he's just been rocking it for like decades. Yeah. And, and he continues to, to take his specific thing and uh, drop it into like, you know, all kinds of movies and just make it work. But in the same way that he like, I think was prescient about, um, you know, when people were ragging on him for being in all these like direct to DVD movies, he was like, well, I think this is the future. And like, okay. And also that he was legitimately enjoying making those right. movies. Right. You and know, like, it's not like he was rolling his eyes going like, well, I guess I got to do it, you know. No, he's having fun. Yeah. And, I mean, he got paid, what, uh, $3 million to sit in an airplane for like three days for <laughs> Left Behind? Like, fun. yeah, it sounds fun. And I think he's he was right when he was talking about that in like 2012 is that the future is like movies on demand. Like that's um, it's not the complete future of cinema, but like that is. Well, I don't now that there's 5000 streaming services, yeah. like maybe it is the future of cinema. Yeah. So similarly with China, like, you know, this is like 2014 and he's stoked on it. And like, you know, in around this time, like 2012 to like 2017, um, there were uh, co-productions like this. Like there was this 
sort of idea, like Christian Bale was in a movie called Flowers of War, and Matt Damon was infamously in a movie called The Great Wall. That oh, looks just, oh my god, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, it looks so silly. We should do a sidebar podcast where uh, we watch all these co-productions. Right? Yeah. It, it, like I, I actually wrote a couple down. Okay, so full disclosure, I still get the Netflix DVDs mailed to me, which is cool. I, so I, like I, that about I you. rented this one because I couldn't find it for free. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put it in my queue, and it got mailed to me. And you know, it, it was a Blu-ray, so there were previews on it, uh-huh. and all of the previews uh, were other movies made by this production company. Oh, by. Uh, uh, what is it, Yunnan Film Group uh-huh. and, and Arclight uh, Films Worldwide Sales? Yeah, so uh, I wrote down the titles of these films. Black November, <laughs> Death Squad. Sounds good. After the Fall. Sure. And my personal favorite, Catch Hell. Catch Hell. So the one thing that all these films had in common, and now that it's been a couple days, my memory's a little fuzzy as to which ones were which because mm-hmm. all the trailers were supremely generic. Uh, but these, all the, the things that these movies seem to have in common were that they were big budget Chinese co-productions starring American mm-hmm. marquee actors. Yes. That's, that seemed to be made on like a, on way too much of a budget for what the script actually demanded. Like who, who was in them? Do you um, remember? Yeah. So Black November starring Kim Basinger. What? Mickey Rourke. What? Anne Heche. Vivica <laughs> A. Fox. Why Clef Jean. And here's the fucking cherry on top. Akon. What? <laughs> is it? Is it Black November? Be- yes. Okay. Yes, it uh, is. Um, wait, what it, was one of those other generic names? Uh, it was Death Squad. De- Death Squad. And I'll look up After the Fall, which was the other one. Death Squad movie. Ooh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. Rutger Hauer, yep. Stephen Baldwin, yep. Daryl Hannah, Danny Glover, Michael Madsen. Okay, you yeah. get the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's kind of what was going on at the mid twenty teens, and like I, I read some uh, piece about basically saying what what Cage was saying, like this is the future, and like and uh, these co-productions are trying to they're trying to appeal to both markets but interestingly in over just the last couple years like china's film industry is booming and they're not even trying to appeal to our market anymore they're they're still pulling in american um actors but strictly for domestic concerns like just the american actors that chinese people like so like Michael Douglas is starring in uh, the biggest Chinese summer blockbuster this year. This last year is uh, called Animal World, which we, you know, it sounds kind of like the Hunger Games or something. Um, yeah, but but I think it's interesting that we don't we don't we don't even hear we about. We didn't these even movies. come over here. Yeah, um, Bruce Willis and Adrian Brody are starring in a World War II movie called Unbreakable Spirit, um, and Michael Pitt is in a movie called Detective Chinatown Two. Um, Whoa! Wow! Yeah, so much going on in that title. Well, and and check this out: like Detective Chinatown One came out in 2015, budget of 15 million dollars. Detective Chinatown Two came out this year, 60 million dollar budget. Like shit is booming, and in 2020, it's projected that the uh, the gross the the there will be more. The box office receipts in China are going to surpass America. Like, it is the new market. So shit has changed. Although, and this is a weird aside, but um, in just this year, Chinese TV chiefs and studio heads and stuff have start, have made a soft boycott on foreign-born actors because of the trade tariffs and shit with, oh. uh, with China and Trump. And, and so there's this whole, there are all these... Uh, what I'm pulling up this article that I read because uh, I, I like the way that they word this. Um, they said, for years, aspirational expatriates of semi-acceptable age, attractiveness, and occasionally acting ability have been able to find work in the fast-paced, often chaotic world of Chinese TV modeling and cinema. In return for dealing with the industry's non-unionized devil-may-care attitude to safety and quality control, a few have managed to carve out lucrative careers playing spurned suitors, 
arrogant imperialists and drunken colonials. <laughs> and But all, all of those people are like just, they're shut out of working now, which is funny. Chinese TV and, and media is like not an official arm of the state, but there's a lot of pressure on them sure. to sort of follow, uh, to, to either like, they'll, they'll put out propaganda about, you know, they've in the, the past, they've uh, approved demonstrations against countries in which China's had territorial disputes for television, such as Vietnam and the Philippines. They forced TV stations to broadcast blanket anti-Japanese war programming. That's happening right now. And it's just kind of, that's interesting. Yeah, so that's sort of the state of, of Chinese cinema, which, like you said, it's crazy to me that Michael Douglas starred in one of the biggest movies of the year, I guess, uh, money-wise. And it wasn't and, even on, like, Americans' radar. Yeah. Never, never heard of Animal World. Well, adding that one to my queue. <laughs> so back to Outcast, which feels like, a dry run for whatever is actually happening over there. And, and it's weird because it has that feeling of like this sort of like cookie cutter epic. Like I said, everything about it is borrowed, but it's done just very competently. The other thing is not only are they a bunch of American actors going over there, but um, they've started to pull a lot of below the line talent too, just because China doesn't have enough people who have the training and the skills and the credits to do yeah, those things. You think with over a billion people, they could find someone, but they will, they will, they'll probably have them in the next 10 years. But right now, like while this boom is happening they're you know, they're pulling from Hollywood. It's fascinating. I have like some random unconnected notes. Do you want to like do a plot or do you want to just kind of talk about random stuff? As I mean, think of it? yeah, let's do the plot um, and just get it out of the way. Like uh, Cage and Hayden Christensen are crusaders in sometime in the 12th century, somewhere in the Middle East. The movie doesn't care about the time or the place enough to specify. Yeah, there's a lot going on here with the the real slipshod nature of the way that they treat the timeline. You know, they'll give you a title card being like five years later or whatever, but then it's like never explained like exactly how or why they got there. <laughs> right, right. And and it starts in just, it just says Middle East and then right. it goes to Far East, which <laughs> so like, yeah, I don't know. They They're roaming around this area, this kind of, I guess fantasy version of uh, uh, of it is a very it's very like Middle East in quotes. Yeah, the first thing you notice is the accents. Um, wow. Cage and Hayden Christensen. Well, Hayden Christensen always has talked weird. Yeah, in every movie, I don't know if that's to talk weird. I don't know if that's like an accent choice or he just <laughs> is has a weird voice because it seems like relatively consistent in its weirdness. Now, Cage's accent in this movie, on the other hand, this is, okay, do you know what this reminded me of? This accent reminded me of the accent in Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> yes, that's so apt. Yeah. Yes, it's, right, it sounds deliberately bad. And um, not just deliberately bad, but deliberately he would, it, it sounded like, depending on the word, or the combination of syllables, he would choose a different accent. Yeah, he goes from like England to Ireland to like Southern California to like it's it's so bonkers. Here's a, I have a little audio clip. Yeah. Like what is what? that? What is it's that? Just, it's <laughs> it, it, like <laughs> no words. You would get laughed out of any room that <laughs> you were trying to pull that off in. <laughs> like it's um yeah. So they are uh, crusaders. There's a weird thing where you can't tell if like suddenly Hayden Christensen has bloodlust and just starts bad. Like, just start killing random civilians. Right. It sort of wants us to, to uh, believe, uh, believe and understand that Nicholas Cage is the good kind of crusader who's raiding this city and killing people in a good way. But Hayden Christensen takes it too far or something. It's unclear. Um, and, 
and, and deeply it, dumb. <laughs> and it's made even more unclear where later in the movie they do flashbacks. Yeah. And they show like certain cuts from this cold open as though to set up why Cage thinks Hayden Christensen turned bad. Liz had the bloodlust. But it's different angles and shots than what is actually than than what we actually see in the intro. Right. Which makes it more confusing because I was like is that, is that a different? Is, is that a callback, or was that time? like a different crusade that they went on? Like, what exactly are they getting at? And also, just like, what is the the moral gray area with like crusaders? Like, you can't just yeah, <laughs> yeah. He what? What's the line? Where did he kill too many uh, infidels? infidels? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's oh, just weird. It's I, stupid. Um. Okay. Um, so then, so that's do a, that. Right. So that's a weird cold open. Uh, and then I would we, like to point out. The title card. Do you remember what this looks like? Uh, no. Um. Okay. I'll I'll see if I can pull up a video. But I will say this one thing about it. Uh, my passion is graphic design. <laughs> 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 it literally looks like they got an intern to make this in like ten <laughs> minutes using like the using the tri free trial version of After Effects. <laughs> You're saying that the of the twenty five million dollar budget, you think maybe uh, I think none of it none went, of into, it the went title. into the title. Uh, in fact, not just none of it. I think they actively took money from it. <laughs> they were like we they, they were like the original budget was zero dollars, <laughs> and now we're gonna make you pay us to make it. <laughs> they found the graphic designer who who would just uh, pay them <laughs> for experience. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. The, it looks like iMovie. Yeah, totally. The 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 Ken Burns effect that you can put on it, like it looks like they literally looks like they did that. So um, that happens, and then we jump to the Far East somewhere. Uh, it's a tale as old as time. There is a dying king. Um, there is he has two sons. Uh, one of the sons is the bad son, and he is out there. I guess just. Killing people. Just, just warring. He's a with, warrior. Yeah, he's, he's a warrior. He's doing war. And uh, there <laughs> and then the good son is and his sister, the princess, are there and he loves peace. And uh, I mean, uh, to be fair, it's unclear if he loves peace or he's just a teenager and like doesn't know any better about anything. Or, yeah, or he's just not. Uh, or, or or he's just not evil. doing war. Yeah, he's not doing war. And the the king is like, uh, I want you to secede me, and we need to, let's do this ceremony with the special seal that I give you that makes you the king right now before your bad brother comes back. And he's like, me? What? But I'm the younger brother. That's crazy. And he's like, well, no, but you're good. And then, uh-oh, bad brother's coming back. And he and he comes, but just in time, the good son and the princess get away. And the king says to the princess, you know, you can't be king because you're a girl, but you can have a very special job, which is taking care of the, your brother who does get to be king. Um, and she's like, dope. And they, they run away. And uh, the bad brother comes back, and he's like, father... I am bad, and I'm ready to be king now. And he's like, oh, also, where's my brother for no reason? And he's like, oh, yeah, he stepped out. And he's like, bullshit, I'm going to kill you now. And he kills him, and he goes back to the, his generals, and he's like, my brother, who you all know is the good, not warrior brother, killed the king, so we have to go kill him now. So now good brother and, and the princess are running away. And meanwhile, they find Hayden Christensen in an opium den or a bar uh, just strung out on opium. Yeah. Or yeah. Um, he's he's basically his character is basically on opium through the whole movie. Yeah. He's. Well, I just realized something. Are we not giving Hayden Christensen enough credit? Maybe his <laughs> maybe his performance was purposeful. Like he maybe was, he knew he was supposed to be on heroin, so he, he was just strung out. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I never thought well, of that. Yeah. Maybe he was method acting and he was actually on downers for the whole movie. I <laughs> he's there and he's in a bad state, guys. He uh this is rock bottom and I'm pawning my sword for a drink or a meal or some shit. I all I wrote to be honest, this is where my notes really started to to falter. I know that someone knocks down Hayden Christensen and pees on him. Yes, I wrote Do that down too. He gets peed on. That's crazy. Attention kink lovers. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, so 
Yeah, pick, pick up the rope because I'm losing it. Oh, dude, I, I, I don't remember this at all. Oh, I also wrote down that there's a when he agrees to. He, so he agrees to escort the prince and the princess to some city where I guess the presumably they'll be safe and can good. start a new life. And um, to like wake himself up, he picks up a bucket of water to splash it on his face. And there's like a, a camera inside that you get like face yeah. splash cam. Yeah, Do you remember, remember that, that for a second? Yeah, uh-huh. That's pretty fun. Uh, so then, then we've got them going on on the road. They're off to the city for some reason, and they're being pursued by the Black Guard, which is the the, the bad, evil brothers, the uh, like yeah, army of assassins. Um, at at this point, I noted that uh, all the Chinese actors are speaking English with American accents that are way better than Hayden Christensen and Nick Cage speaking English in British accents. Yeah, like yeah, way yeah. more believable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way more believable. <laughs> um, then I wrote down that Nicolas Cage is too old to be a knight. I was just still thinking about it. Um, but who cares? They pick up some girl, some, I guess she's a farmer or something on their way. Um, who cares? Oh yeah, because the black hand comes through to to look for them, and then they like kill everyone in the village. Right. And yeah. And as the, they're escaping, they find like a, a little girl that was orphaned yeah. uh, from the from the murdering of the village, and and suddenly Hayden Christensen has a moral compass. Yeah, she's she's supposed to add some sort of like earthy kind of like uh, you know every man flair to their but party. Really, but it's just another character that like you don't care about. None of the characters have any traits that make them readable as people as anything beyond the like faintest idea of what a person in a story might be or do (laughs) they're just they're just pieces to move around on like a first draft of a story so who cares um the the princess who hayden christensen they fall in love at some point i don't care um they she throws his opium into the fire and uh, they have this exchange, which I wrote down just to sort of give a flavor, a flavor of the the dialogue, which is, she says, tears of the poppy dull a man's senses. And he says, some things are better dulled. She says, our lives and the fate of the kingdom depend upon your wits. And then they keep saying shit. And I was like, this sucks. Also, he takes a bath at one point and somebody says, I thought white devils didn't bathe, which is funny. <laughs> and he has a big crucifix tattoo on his back like he like he's in sons of anarchy or some shit he also has like a, a undercut like faux hawk yeah dude, the whole movie he has an extremely trendy for 2014 14. haircut yeah he looks like he's like a, like a model in like a top man catalog or something there there are there are multiple things with the like fashion and and characterization choices where i just had me scratching my head yeah this is bad. Um, they go to the Middle East again for some reason, kind of, uh, I guess, on their way to the city. And there was a... Meanwhile, the, they're getting pursued by the Black Hand right. this whole time. So there's all, all of this the travel is intercut with you know various scenes where the Black Hand catches up with them and then Craig Christensen fights them. There's and then, someone and then, shoots and arrows at something. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, the, they encounter some like nomads or something who betray them. Um, I was like, I had kind of like brought, made the, uh, the window small as it was playing. And I was just reading, uh, <laughs> Nicholas cage interviews. So I'm just, we're just kind of stream of conscious go through my notes if that's right. okay. No, yeah. Um, <laughs> Nicholas cage spoke out, um, while making this movie, I think this is cool. He spoke out against uh, racism and representation in uh, American cinema. He said that uh, that there should be more roles for Asian men that they they get fucked over, and uh, also brought up the fact that his son uh, Kal El is half uh, Japanese, um, you know, and he wants to see more roles for people like Kal El. So, well, maybe you should give him a different name then. <laughs> that's the problem it's not that he's half japanese it's that he has a fucking his name is kal is his fucking name that's the problem <laughs> uh, well um good for him you know the uh the something about this movie being boycotted on one side and nicholas cage's moral compass on the other you know that's that's cool um he also mentioned that george lucas is a friend of the coppola's and uh, all the kids call him uncle george dude i've got a clip you want to hear it yeah 
since we're just going off the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. Just, we've just gone rogue for yeah the i know I, yeah point. i just can't i can't um, care there is a yeah he says cage has a lot to say about um oh yeah i watched hayden the same thing yeah well hayden is somebody i've admired for a while uh george lucas is a, <coughs> a dear friend of my family <laughs> And so I watched George's movies, and I saw the work that Hayden did with George, and I was very impressed with Hayden's sort of edgy, dangerous, um, dark, and still soulful performance. I thought it was superb, and so I, I really connected with him. Plus, he has a, a look in his eyes that I respond to, because it, it, it almost feels like a familial... He's got that sad thing going on that I've always been accused of having in my eyes. So I, I thought we, w- we would be a good match on camera together as well. It just seemed like a good fit. Listener, it is not a good match. It is not a good match. Also, He, he does have that sad thing in his eyes, though. Also, what what Star Wars movies was Cage watching <laughs> that, that, he drew, that he drew that from it? And also, what what movies doesn't Cage like? I guess I'm really he. You know, yeah, we've established that he's stoked on all of this stuff work that he's doing, but he must he has specific taste. So what what doesn't he respond to? <laughs> right? <laughs> this is the new mystery for me. <laughs> what does Cage not like? Yeah, I know what he really likes. He likes comic books and he likes, you know... Um, Uncle George. <laughs> Yeah. Also, I love this idea of George of just all of the Coppola like like all the extended Coppola children just going to George Lucas's house yeah. for like Thanksgiving. Of, of little Kal-El coming up to yeah. uh, Uncle George, Uncle George, and he gives him like a Jar Jar doll or something. It's kind of charming. It's nice. Yeah. All uh, right. No. So, yeah. Uh, some weird thing I'd like to point out at one point in the movie, Hayden Christensen is wearing a ridiculous turban while he's <laughs> drinking opium tea in a harem. That happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's when he gets fucked over by the nomads that they're uh, they're traveling with, and some uh, people fight <laughs> some more. Uh, that was good. It takes about an hour for Nicolas Cage to show back up, and boy, it it's like the scene it, in Pulp Fiction with the adrenaline to the heart because it's yeah. like, oh, thank God. He's he, I, I once again. It goes without saying that he's operating at a, uh, he's playing at a pitch that's higher than everybody else. (laughs) So much farther above (laughs) all of the rest of this movie that that it's it's almost unbelievable to me that he put this much effort into this role. (laughs) Thank God he did though, because I mean it doesn't save anything, but but it's so much fun to watch. It's so much fun to watch. Uh, And also, I'm gonna go on record as saying like this movie is one of those where Cage's performance makes the existence of the movie worth it. It's yeah, yeah. I mean. Christensen, I forget why, because I didn't care. He was he he wakes up. I, maybe he was poisoned by in the harem. Was that it? And yeah. he wakes he wakes up, and Cage is standing over him. He's got long these long hair extensions, like um, like halfway down his back, and he he's wearing snakes, like live snakes as jewelry. They're just wrapped. They're coiled around his arms. For no reason. <laughs> and which, you know, I don't have to tell you that that was just a choice that he made that did, he didn't explain to anybody that they said yes to. And cool. I'm here for it. And uh, we learned that uh, Nicolas Cage is the fabled white ghost. Uh, he's been living in the mountains and I guess uh, being a vigilante of some sort, coming down into the town. I don't even understand the geography of where we are, but uh, he's been, people know about him because he goes out and I guess kills people for something. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's basically, he's basically Batman. Yeah, he's right? Batman. Um, but the, the fucked up thing uh, narratively is that. Oh, he, the fucked up thing? 
entire movie the, is fucked the up. The one failure is that he is, as far as like types of, of character, he's basically playing the same character as Hayden Christensen. Yeah, yeah. Hayden Christensen is is addicted to opium. He's a you know he was a warrior and now he's he's fallen on hard times and he's addicted to a substance. Cage d- drinks too much and the exact same thing, but he's just wackier <laughs> with it. Um, he has a wife who uh, the bad uh, brother. She gets brutally murdered. She does. Like, at, brutally. It, and I couldn't take the death scene seriously because, again, Cage emoting oh. is just never not funny to me for some reason. Yeah, and he just, I forget what he said. He, he, what does he say? All I wrote was, does Nick Cage's wife get blown up with a bomb? Yeah. I, I believe she does. yeah. Yeah, she does. Um, that he, he says, he says, like, you want my blood? Yeah, you want my blood yeah. to people, and uh, in a way that's sure to make it to let supercut somewhere. Sure. Um, yeah, it's it's good. Um, he, oh, he's blind in one eye. His wife's her her tongue was cut out, I think, by the bad prince before he blows her up with a bomb. That's um, just a little characterization for her before uh, she dies. The the clenched eye was method so cage according to hayden christensen cage on set 24 7 kept that eye like clenched <laughs> shut cool yeah <laughs> good for him um it seems on brand yeah uh really sold it uh i yeah, just because like it's not cut or scarred or anything he just keeps it just, shut i just <laughs> thought he was doing a weird face um <laughs> He's just he's just uh you know clenching one eye closed really tight. And then there's a an awesome scene where it's basically Cage versus an entire army. Yes. Um th- this was cool. He he comes out, he comes out and uh he he gets stabbed like a bazillion times but just keeps keeps on fighting. Hayden and uh, Cage both duel with the same guy. At one part like they hit the guards shoot arrows in him while he's fighting and oh yeah and it's just like one after the other after the other after the other and he just keeps coming i really enjoyed uh cage gets a good death scene he he dies so what after he gets like cut by 20 swords he he falls down on the ground and he looks up at the sky and he sees his wife's face in the clouds and he goes i see you woman (laughs) uh which is Mm, you know wonderful um and uh so yeah then hayden and the guy guy face off um, i will say as soon as cage died i immediately lost the my enthusiasm for yeah finishing the movie. who cares uh people are getting stabbed. oh the princess gets stabbed maybe killed i don't remember yeah, did she die i don't remember i don't care um the bad guy gets stabbed and hayden gets a little line where he's like you know it's like why are why are you protecting this the prince that's obviously good? And he's like, well, because he likes peace. But you and I, bad prince, we're we're warriors, and the world would be better without us. And that if this movie has any sort of ethos or whatever, it's you know it's that, it's that warriors we would be better without warriors, and peace is good. We we like it. Um, and then they I don't know, bad guy dies. The, uh, the prince becomes the prince. How is this king? Yeah, I don't even it, know how it ends. I, I don't remember how it ends. Who cares? I like again. Like I was more bored watching this than I've been watching any movie for this whole podcast. Well, I don't know about the whole podcast. So for me, this was number one. Really? It's not the worst, but it's the oh, most boring. I feel like I could find one or two that were more boring. Well, what was it, more boring? Guarding test. Guarding test. <laughs> <laughs> I like how guarding test is our barometer for how boring these movies can get. But like honestly, yes. Yeah, yeah. Guarding tests. Uh, Probably something like, um, what was Rage? Rage mm. was kind of boring. I guess there were some, there were some, a couple scenes in that one where I was engaged. Yeah. But what, I, what happened in Rage? I keep forgetting. No, like literally, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, like that's the thing is, as we get further and further into this thing, I stop remembering specifics about the films. And I start remembering how I felt watching. Them. Yeah. Like, so that the feeling of me, how I felt oh, yeah. and what I was thinking watching them overrides the actual memories of like the the the, the film itself. Yeah, that was that was the one by Paco Cabezas right, where he right. was the the like 
gangster who went good and then had to go bad again. Yeah, but you know, like that was frozen the, ground. I feel like I might have oh, yeah. been more bored overall. But that had John Cusack as a serial killer. Yeah, it had it, it. had that part where somebody was where there was like a moose that appeared out of nowhere. There was like stuff, and and it was edited by by like a psychopath because that what's that director's name? Scott Walker. Scott Walker, not yeah. that one. He uh, <laughs> <That's> so good. <laughs> yeah, because he he shot. He was like, yeah, I shot from like twenty different angles every single scene, and we used them all. Yeah, and you're like, why? Yeah, so like the failure of those films is like. Just more interesting than whatever this like weird photocopy, this kind of like epic is just not my kind of movie. No, I, yeah, I am 1000% unengaged in this kind of story. I don't, I don't know what it is because you get these like big sweeping shots of like, yeah, like I don't know. Was World Trade Center more boring than this? Potentially. Yeah, it depends. I don't know, man. It's really hard to like sit down and actually categorize. Yeah. Like what? Oh, you know what was definitely more boring than this? The Astro Boy movie. That that might have been yeah. one of the. That's probably the most boring movie yeah. I've ever seen. In the way that's like similar to this, where it's like you know a lot of technical people like really did their job, and like the story is so just whatever that it's just like it just becomes nothing like this movie was just a complete blank for me i just saw it like three days ago and i don't remember how it ends yeah and i checked out and i don't you 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 know i take this as seriously as uh you as it is warranted and i just like could not give a fuck suddenly suddenly suddenly, this all felt so so meaningless But on that note, Miles, I'm ready to to fall right back into caring too much, though, because like, um, what's next? There's Uh, something good. Well, but before we cut it, there are a a couple like random things I took notes on that that I would like to mop up. Give it to me. Okay, so I don't quite know how my blood. Uh huh. So nothing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Go on. I want your blood, Dave. (laughs) Okay. There. There was one thing that I actually like. Like literally, LOL'd. Like I laughed out loud (laughs) Mm -hmm. as it was happening. Was when they had when Hayden Christensen was like when he had the flashbacks of like him as of like Cage teaching him as a child like how to be a warrior. Uh huh. Do do you do you remember this at all? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Anyway, that sequence was ridiculous. Um, yeah, with a, a baby Hayden Christensen, yeah, but yeah. then Cage looking exactly the same. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the other thing, <laughs> like this, okay, so this this next one is one of those things where I can't tell if I was legit hallucinating or if this was actually happening, so maybe <laughs> you can back me up on this one. I feel like at various points throughout the movie, there was a canned eagle screech sound effect <laughs> that they would like drop it, drop into like random parts of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I can I, say without any doubt that that's true. That's like a thing that that like eagles or hawk sound effects. Like people just use them to communicate that I think like a sweeping landscape that right. you're inside that like epic landscape. But you're like really they, out in the wilderness, but they did it every time they showed yeah. like a shot of the forest <laughs> and it was the same sound effect. That's like, I think that really sums up the film. Honestly. First day that I met him, um, first he came over and introduced himself and was, um, uh, so nice. And, uh, and then he went back to his trail and he came back over, uh, with a, bag of snakes and, and uh, starts taking the snakes out and he's explaining to me that he, he's thinking about using these snakes as a prop in the movie and um, you know I'm sort of, you know, sort of starstruck still here's Nick Cage standing in front of me with a bag of snakes and there's a snake handler there and uh, he's taking the snakes out and he asks the snake handler you know, they don't bite do they and, uh, and the snake handler says no and so he's wrapping him around his arms forearms and then one of the snakes bites him of course and he's like oh shit it bit me and he looks over to the snake handler and he's like it's not poisonous is it and the guy you know of course not it's not poisonous but you know that was my first time being in the cage was watching him unravel snakes and get bit by one and i actually have one last note which is um that Cage Cage loved working with um, with uh, Nick, whatever his Nick name Powell. is, Nick Powell, the other Nick, um, so much that he is starring in 
the second movie that Nick Powell has ever made, which came out, I think this week, um, called Primal, in which uh, Cage plays a big game hunter who is on a uh, is on a boat with I think there's like a spy there's some some sort of bad guy who's also on the boat and the car it's a cargo ship that's transporting a lot of uh wild animals and the bad guy lets all the animals off on the boat and then Cage has to I guess fight um the the bad guy and uh there's like a white jaguar or something that I uh, cannot wait for this one yeah, I, I, you know, I'm willing to give Nick Powell another shot because I really, m- all my big well, problems. Well, we have no choice. Well, no, we, we don't. We have to. <laughs> I, I, but I, I, you know, I'm gonna go in open minded because, right. like, James Dormer, he wrote a shit script, and I'm writing him off. I'd saying he's a hack and he sucks, and uh, I. He should have sh- gone into finance. He should have gone into finance. He should, you know, he should have just stuck to uh, writing ant bully fan fiction. I'm, I'm stoked on Primal, but. Next week, or next time we meet, we're going to be talking about The Runner, 2015's The Runner, which is uh, a, an- another first-time director, which I was thinking, like, Crispin Glover uh, made some statement about, like, not wanting to work with first-time directors. He's like, the next time I work with a first-time director, it's going to be me. Um, this is when he started making his movies what is it? Uh, yeah, what is it and, and stuff like that. Which, I just as a sidebar, if anyone listening to this has not seen <laughs> Crispin Glover's movies, please go do yourself a Go. You can only see them when he comes to town and puts on a show where he reads from his books and sees them. And the whole experience is well worth it. Even if you hate end up hating the movie, it's I, I, money well spent. But Cage seems to love working with first-time directors, Um I don't know if that is really just because those are the offers that are coming in or what, but uh, he's. I think he, it's a little column. Yeah, a, yeah column I think B. you're right. Um, or just because they're too starstruck to let him do it, they just let him do whatever he wants. Right. Um, but uh, this is a. It's about the 2010 BP oil spill. And I'm, I'm already uninterested in it. <laughs> like just right away, I can tell this is going to be a downer of a movie that I don't care about. Peter Fonda's in it, uh, and oh, this, this this is the second uh, this is the second team up between True. Peter Fonda and Cage. True. Peter Fonda previously played the, the devil, the devil in, in Ghost, Ghost Rider, yeah. and uh, Bunk from uh, The Wire is also in it, as is Sarah oh. Paulson. Oh, so. Yeah, here we're back to a political thrillers, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But Dave, we are now in the second half of the 2010s. God damn! How it, does it feel? It feels good. I f- it feels a little bit like we're running in place because he just the man keeps working. He's got 103 IMDb actor credits now, and I think since the last time we logged on to look at this. He added like three or four. I feel like that number was like at a hundred. The last it was. Time. It was at a hundred. Yeah. There's a uh, there's a movie called Jujitsu, which we knew about. There's a movie called Ten Double Zero. A movie called Prisoners of the Ghost Land, where he just plays a character named Hero. <laughs> and there's a, a movie called Pig that um, is shot in Portland about a man who loses a pig. Oh, and there's also a movie called Wally's Wonderland, um, which is essentially Five Nights at Freddy's or oh, whatever, yeah. but um, starring Nicolas Cage. And this is what the poster looks like. Wow, that's awesome. It, it's like an MS Paint rainbow. Um, so, yeah. But I I think, I, I've said it before, I'm going to keep saying it, I think we're currently living through a Cage renaissance. I think he's come he's coming back into, like, He's got his like third wind or whatever and is making interesting stuff again. So I, you know, between Mandy and mom and dad and with the color out of space or, you know, whatever's going on, uh, I'm given the benefit of the doubt to these projects that at least some of them are like interesting and cool. And because he's got his art school cred back. So yeah. let's, yeah. uh, it, I'm on board. Onward into the future, but we got to get through the back half of the 2010s. And I know there's going to be. I know there's going to be some real turds. Yep. So buckle yep. up. Buckle up. And uh, we'll right. see you next time. Yeah, until next time, uh, please like and subscribe. Yes, and, do those uh, things. You know, write a review. Yeah, on... Write a review, please. Yeah, give do us that. five just... stars or give us one star. Just, yeah, just, just write just, a fucking review. Let the world know that like people are listening to this. And uh, follow us on Instagram. Do at that. Seeking Panther. Yeah, until next time, I am Miles. I am Dave. And you have been listening to... <laughs> Wow.
That movie was so boring. <laughs>